Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and you're probably wondering, Davey, what are you doing talking to us on an off day? I mean, you're right. You, you know, morning people, how much I cherish these off days during the season. It is a grind for the podcasters. Ah, maybe not as much as the baseball players, but it's a grind all the same. And I usually do cherish my off days, get some stuff done around the house, actually get all the dishes done in the sink, maybe fold a load of laundry. But instead, I got to talk to you because, I mean, the news today was just too good. It was just too juicy. The Cleveland Guardians, at the end of August, have claimed three players off of waivers from the Los Angeles Angels. And, you know, we mentioned it. We mentioned how one of those outfielders might be enticing. Uh, I never thought we would go out and get all three pitchers that the Los Angeles Angels put on waivers. And it was hilarious reading the comments on Twitter because people were people were losing their minds going, how did Cleveland get all three? Like, how is that even possible? How do they not have to go back to the beginning of the line after the first claim? And these are people that have probably fallen into that situation many times in their fantasy sports teams where you put in multiple waiver claims and you can only get one. That's not how it works. That's not how irrevocable rate waivers works. You can put claims in on as many players as you want and where you are in the in the order of waiver claims, you can get those players. So it's not like Chris Antonetti cheated the system to get all three players. So, I mean, just people freaking, so many comments, so many comments. It's ridiculous. All right. So they get from Los Angeles Angels, they get starting pitcher Lucas Giolito, who you may remember very well from the Chicago White Sox. They get relief pitcher, righty, fireballer, Ronaldo Lopez, who you may remember from the White Sox. Apparently him and Giolito have been traded or moved together every step of their career which is pretty fascinating. And then they get left-handed pitcher Matt Moore, who you may remember from a while ago as a starter with the Tampa Bay Rays and who's reinvented himself uh, as a reliever. Uh, Former All-Star as a starter, 17-game winner in 2013. Reinvented himself as a reliever basically after the pandemic and uh, had a pretty solid year in Texas and turned it into a big contract with the LA Angels uh, to start this season. So you add two arms of the bullpen and another starting pitcher. And Antonetti, I know you're all wondering, like, why? Like, that was my first reaction, too. Like, why? Like, what direction is this team heading? So basically, Antonetti said uh, in his post, uh, post-transaction post Zoom, he basically said, look, these players were out there. We saw an opportunity to make ourselves better. There's still a month left in this season. All it cost us was money. We didn't have to give up any prospects. So we figured, we went to the bosses and we said, hey, why not? And they were cool with spending the money. He He's defended the Dolans before and said that, and he said it in this one, that money is not the issue. The reason they haven't made moves in the past, and you could tell that he was clearly hinting at Matt Olson, and uh, why can't I ever, Sean Murphy, why can't I ever remember his name? He was clearly hinting at those trades for, with the Oakland A's. 
And he said that the times when we haven't made moves, it's because we thought giving up the prospects that they were asking for was too much of an asking price. They couldn't part ways with the prospects. Whether that's Espino or Rocchio or, or Valera, who knows who that name is that they weren't willing to give up. But clearly Oakland and, and other teams you know, came after some other prospects and they, they had to say no. Uh, so... Uh, with it just being money, I, there's no risk. There's literally no risk. They they already saved money by trading Josh Bell. So they had money to spend, and they spent it. There's literally no risk here for the Cleveland Guardians. If you were already giving up on this season, then it doesn't matter. It'll be a footnote in the 2023 season. And As people were joking, the, uh, the random Guardians jersey sightings in five years from now are going to be epic. Because, yeah, you're going to have Noah Syndergaard, you're going to have Lucas Giolito, Ronaldo Lopez, and Matt Moore now. And Ramon Laureano and Cole Galhoun to add to that list of random jersey sightings of guys who may play here for a month or two. But if it works, and we just took two out of three out of the Minnesota Twins, if it works, and we somehow close this five-game gap in September and actually win the division... I mean, we'll all laugh about winning the division at like 83, 84 wins probably. We'll all laugh about it, but I'd I'd rather be the one in the playoffs than the one out of the playoffs. Even if we face real stiff competition once we get there, uh, it'll, it'll at least be a story. <laughs> it'll be a story we tell. So why not? So why not go for it? Cole Calhoun has literally lit a fire under this team. He's reinvigorated this team. You got Josh Naylor coming back. You got Fry coming back. You've got eh, Bieber and McKenzie. It doesn't, I haven't heard anything too positive about them coming back anytime soon. You got Cal Quantrill coming back for whatever that's going to be. You got some rookies who are up against it as far as innings pitch goes. And uh, who knows how long and far you can push those rookies. So why not? All right, so let's talk about... First off, we're going to talk about what they're getting in Giolito, Lopez, and more. But first, let's just talk philosophy because we have to understand. I think the, the key, the reason I wanted to talk to you today is I wanted to talk about what this front office has signaled for, let's say, the last month. So, uh, basically, since we trade deadline to the end of August. They start by trading away three veterans. Now, you know, Ahmed Rosario made all the sense in the world. You were more trading him to free to free up that space for Gabriel Arias to emerge and try to be your everyday shortstop. So that trade was more for Gabriel Arias than it was about Ahmed Rosario. It had to have been. And, and Ahmed Rosario was going to be a free agent, was going to walk anyways. And you needed someone to eat innings because your pitching staff was getting decimated. So, you know, it made sense. Josh Bell was underperforming, and you you offered him a big contract, and he was underperforming. And it's scary how close Cole Calhoun has been in production. Now I know, I know Bell has gone to Miami and has just crushed since getting there. He's got like eight home runs since he got to Miami in a month. But as far as OPS goes, they're they're both over eight hundred. It's actually kind of close. Cole Calhoun, he's only got three home runs to eight home runs. Okay, so it hasn't hit the home runs. But 
They're both driving in runs. They're both productive bats in the lineup. And they both have over 800 OPS. So it's actually kind of scary how much Cole Calhoun has replaced Bell in the lineup. And he's gotten some big hits for us. Extra inning hits. Big walk-off hits. So, yeah, it's, I, you know, I kind of understand the Bell move. He was underperforming. You cannot deny that what he did the first half of the season was underwhelming. And then the Savali one is probably the hardest one to swallow because if you are going to make a run at this thing and, you you know, you do bring in these pitchers to, to strengthen the bullpen, to, you know, give the starting rotation some depth, and trading Savali is the one that, you know, makes the least amount of sense because you could use him. You can use a reliable arm. If he could stay healthy, he's a reliable arm through the end of the season. He's a veteran presence on the team. Uh, yeah, he's good in the clubhouse. Everybody loved him. Like, that one, the only explanation on that one is that they got into a conversation with the Tampa Bay Rays and the Rays literally made them an offer they couldn't refuse. A prospect that they had been coveting since the draft. And Antonetti and Chernoff were looking at each other like, we can't, we can't, we can't say no to this. This, this guy can be something huge. Savali is nice. And he's reliable. And he's a, he's a great guy. But Mazard, I, I'm going to totally butcher the name. Uh, Mazzardo is someone who they believe can be something huge. And it was just too good to pass up. So they pulled the trigger on it. And they sacrificed. They did. They sacrificed in this trade the now for the future. And then Cole Calhoun and Ramon Laureano obviously become available. They bring them in because, hey, what's this lineup doing anyways? And it somehow kicks into gear and they somehow start playing better and they somehow start winning games uh, you know important series they just took two series in a row against Toronto and against uh Minnesota so another thing lands on their doorstep nobody makes a waiver claim before them and they're sitting there staring at three players that they think can help them and they figure again what do we have to lose so, yes, it's inconsistent with what they did at the trade deadline. But you can see how all these pieces have kind of, it's, God, it's like they're, they're making these small micro decisions that are right in front of their face every time. And it somehow keeps working out this season. It's, it's like they're, I mean, they are kind of playing this season like there's no regrets to it, like, there's no consequences to it. They're going to play the team with so young card at the end of the season, no matter what happens. Even if even if we make a run like we did last year, where we make it to the division series and we get you know run out by somebody, they'll they'll pat each other on the back. They'll say, "Hey, we had a fun playoff run. We sold some playoff tickets. We got some good vibes in the city, and we'll play the guys are super young, and we're just hoping to reload for next year card." I guarantee you that speech is already locked and ready to go. So they've just been making these little micro decisions in front of them, which have added up to a really weird big picture. But again, I can't blame them for anything they've done. I can't fault them for anything they've done. I feel like maybe they have made the right decision 
every step of the way so far. Now, you know, there's some things, obviously, like the playing time for Bo Naylor, you know, carrying Haas and Cam Gallagher. By the way, Haas is gone. Haas is DFA'd to make room for one of these guys. Uh, so was, uh, I think, Battenfield might have been as well. Um, so, yeah, so uh, they do have to make some moves to get these guys on the roster. But, um, you know, unfortunately, uh, most people are like, what the heck? Why is Haas the one that's out? And uh, oh, Michael Kelly. Uh, no, Peyton Banfield. Peyton Banfield was sent for assignment. He was designated for assignment. I know a lot of you question the decision to get rid of Haas and keep uh, Cam Gallagher. I question it, too, because Cam Gallagher has been just awful. Awful. They've shown... Someone looked it up that he like literally is the lowest valued batter in all of Major League Baseball. But David Fry is coming back soon. Is Gallagher Gallagher to get DFA'd for that, or is someone like Oscar Gonzalez going to get sent down to make room for David Fry? Because they're definitely going to make room for David Fry coming back on this roster. Um, so. I don't know if Gallagher. If I hope Cam Gallagher doesn't stick around much longer, unless. God, they just love his mentorship. Uh, maybe that's the only thing keeping him on this team. So you can't question the playing time for Bo Naylor. You can question how they were juggling Gabriel Arias and Brian Rocchio and getting Tyler Freeman playing time. You can question Ramon Laureano taking at-bats away from Oscar Gonzalez up until this point. But now they seem to be in win mode. And Oscar Gonzalez was awful. So I kind of get why he's not getting some playing time. So there are things to question. Don't get me wrong. It's it's not that there's not. The questions are more about playing time and roster construction and lineups. Those are the things I have questions about. The actual contract moves, the actual general manager moves, I don't really, I can't really question them. I kind of agree with them. All right, so let's talk about these players. Who are we getting? There is some more big breaking news, by the way. I kind of buried the lead on this one. You know I love Baseball Savant. You know I'm on the StatCast page pretty much every episode. And I'm always talking to you about percentile rankings and things like that. They've done a little facelift. Literally tonight, they've done a little facelift on Baseball Savant. And it is nice. Now they give context to the percentile rankings. So I could tell you that the off on off-speed pitches, Lucas Giolito has a run value that's in the 75th percentile. Now, sure, that sounds great, but what is it actually? Well, I can tell you that on off-speed pitches, his run value is plus two, and that puts him in the 75th percentile. He's also plus two on fastball run value, but that only puts him at the 58th percentile. So you see there? Some context. Some context. So Giolito actually was having an okay season with the White Sox, terrible season with the Angels. In six starts for the Angels, goes one and five with a 6.89 ERA. So, whatever was happening in LA uh, was not working for Lucas Giolito. With the White Sox, he was six and six with a 3.79 ERA. That's not terrible. And 121 innings pitched, um, had a 1.22 WHIP with the White Sox uh, on this season. So, uh, not terrible at all. Um, and in fact, there's some stack cast categories. He's still got a decent whiff rate, which you know they love. A decent strikeout rate. 72nd percentile in whiff percentage. 64th percentile in K percentage. Um, 
so yeah, so uh, there's still some things here uh, that you would that you would like about Lucas Giolito. He's actually improved on last year. Uh, this the uh, percentile numbers go up in most categories compared to last year. So he's had a better year uh, than 2022. So there's yeah, and you know with Giolito you're gonna get a ton of changeups. Sliders and changeups are the two pitches. They both still have whiff rates at 35 and change, um, 35% and change. So still good whiff rates on his slider and his changeup. And you feel like you feel like the Guardians coaching staff can work with that. Uh, the big thing this year, man, home runs. He's given up a lot of home runs. Uh, so they're definitely going to want to cut down on that. His barrel percentage has jumped this year to double digits for the first time at 10.6. His hard hit percentage has crossed 40% since the first since his rookie year. Uh, is the first time it's been over 40% at 41.5. So he has been giving up some bombs. He has been hard hit. But his strikeout percentage has held solid in the mid-20s. His walk rate has stayed below 10 uh, for the last few years at 8.7. So he's been consistent there with strikeouts and walks. Um, I wonder how many more home runs he's given up this year. Yeah, he's given Oh, my God. Uh, it's a ton. In uh, 2022, he gave up 24 bombs. Uh, this year, he's already given up 30 home runs. So, uh, yeah, the, I definitely need to cut down on those uh, in his final five, six starts, whatever he's able to squeeze in here in this month of September. So, that's what you're getting in Lucas Giolito. He's he's still a valuable starting pitcher. Is he the ace he was maybe early in his career? No, no, he's not that guy anymore. But still a valuable, valuable starting pitcher that is definitely going to help with the innings. And uh, I, I think I think can pitch well here. I think with this catching staff, with this pitching staff coaching him. I think they can get squeeze some really good starts out of Lucas Giolito. I he should, in theory, figure somewhere into the rotation for this Rays series coming up uh, after the holiday, or I guess starting on the holiday on the Labor Day holiday. So uh, they got the. Oh no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The Twins series should figure into the Twins series after the holiday. Uh, we got the Rays this weekend, then the Twins coming in on Monday. So we should get a start in that series. Uh, so we'll see what we get. If is if it it's got to be better than what we were getting from Noah Syndergaard, right? I mean, at least I don't think Giolito is going through an existential crisis on the mound uh, as like Syndergaard was. So we at least got that going for us. Ronaldo Lopez, who also comes from the White Sox, uh, what you're getting from him is a flame throwing reliever that will walk way too many guys. And, and does have some command issues. Uh, his K percentage, it's funny, his percentile ranking page hasn't been updated yet. I wonder if they literally have to like roll through. Oh, there it is. It just got updated. Look at that. It just got updated. So, yeah, his fastball velocity, 97th percentile at 98.3 mile per hour fastball velocity. But the fastball run value only is plus one, 51st percentile. So, even though he could throw it hard it not necessarily have uh has that high of a value uh as far as an effective pitch goes with percentage 83rd percentile 83rd percentile he has a 30.7 percent whiff rate k percentage 89th percentile 
a 29.8% whiff rate. But walk percentage, 6th percentile. Barrel percentage, 15th percentile. So has given up some uh, big hits. He, uh, he gave up one home run in 2022. Ronaldo Lopez, one home run in 2022 and 11 walks. This year in 2023, he's already up to eight home runs and 30 walks. He's almost tripled his walks given up, and you know, I, I I don't even I don't even know the term for times aiding his home runs. Uh, so definitely a significant jump there. And again, you got to hope that the Cleveland pitching staff can work with a high strikeout guy. They did it with Enlo de los Santos. Right, a guy who had a high whiff rate but struggled, and they turned him into one heck of a relief pitcher. And you gotta think they're gonna dig in and go to work on Ronaldo Lopez and see how that fastball slider changeup combo can be effective for him. Um, oh, you know what? He he's thrown twelve curveballs too. Don't want to take that away from him, but it's mostly fastball slider, mostly fastball slider. That's what you're looking at right there. And the slider is the weapon. It's got a thirty-eight point nine percent whiff rate. That is the weapon. Uh, he puts hitters away 22.1% of the time uh, with that pitch. So, uh, yeah, that is his kind of go-to, his bread and butter right there. Uh, so, yeah, that's what you're getting in Ronaldo Lopez. Can they cut down on the home runs and the walks and continue to pump those strikeouts out of him? And then Matt Moore has been very good. I mean, very good. His pitching run value overall is in the 85th percentile. At plus 13. Very good overall. Uh, his chase rate is in the 96th percentile. He gets guys to chase out of the zone 34.8% of the time. K percentage is in the 80th percentile. Very good left-handed pitcher right here. Someone who's reinvented themselves uh, you know, as a reliever over the last few seasons. And... Uh, Again, as far as he goes, what pitch is going to be most effective from him? Uh, the changeup is filthy. I mean, the curveball will get some swing and miss. The curveball has the highest whiff rate at 34.7, but it only has a put-away rate of 17.1%. As opposed to the changeup, which has a whiff rate of 32, slightly lower, but has a put-away rate of 30.1. So that is the pitch that he is putting guys away with. That is the pitch he's striking guys out with. Uh, 13 strikeouts via a fastball, 28 strikeouts via the changeup, only seven strikeouts via the curveball. So the changeup is the pitch that is the weapon for him, and it's got a plus eight run value on the season. So that's what you're getting in Matt Moore. Takes a lot of pressure off Sam Henches. Uh, they can both be used now. I, I mean, when is the last time we had two reliever, two left-handed relievers we can count on out of the bullpen? It's been a long time, a long time since we've, I, I feel like, I don't know, maybe you remember a time when we had two lefties out of the bullpen that we could really go to in high leverage situations and have faith and have faith in them. So it's exciting, but the excitement is tempered by the fact that we're still five games out, that we're still all these games under 500, that we're in the worst division in baseball. And then if we do make it to the playoffs, we've got this wall of great teams that we'd be going up against. So it, it's, it would normally be super exciting to get all three of these guys, but there is that like that part hanging over all of this news. 
So yeah, a team under 500 who's five games back in their division decided, what the heck? It's worth the risk. So I'm excited. I, Matt Moore and Ronaldo Lopez, I would assume, are going to be active for tomorrow's game. I expect more roster moves to be made, whether somebody else gets sent back down to to Columbus, uh, whether David Fry gets activated or not. Like there's there's still a lot of moves. Uh, I know Naylor probably is going to need a few more rehab starts before he's activated. Yeah, I'm excited. I don't know about all of you, but I am really excited. Uh, it's been one heck of an interesting off day, and I am excited uh, to get back to baseball and see what this team and what this bullpen is going to look like. Already a strength of the team, the bullpen, definitely got stronger. I don't know if the starting rotation got stronger. The starting rotation got deeper. I don't know if it got stronger, but it definitely can handle more innings. I would assume Xavier Curry is probably heading back to a long relief role at some point in all of this shakeup. If I mean, if not sent one of the guys sent back down to triple eight to continue starting, I don't know. Uh, but he's probably going to feel some kind of effect from this. Although he's still scheduled to start one of the games in this race series. Yeah, I I'm I it's got, they got my attention. I am excited to see how this thing finishes. I, I am ready for a division title chase here in September. All right. MVP on the day's got to go to Chris Antonetti and Chernoff. They're sharing it. Uh, Co-MVPs on the day for uh, frustrating the rest of the league. I, I mean, Antonetti literally said in his postgame Zoom, I, I left this out. He literally said, and this means other teams who we might be competing with can't get these players. I mean, he literally said, yeah, we saw the ability to block the Minnesota Twins from claiming these guys and improving their team. So we figured, yeah, it's worth $3 million. I think that's the total for like all three guys and what's left on their contracts. Yeah, it's worth $3 million to prevent our rivals from getting any better. Uh, whether we make it to the playoffs or not, hey, we did. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, I, the, the rivalry is real, is real. So MVP on the day goes to Chernoff and Antonetti for uh, playing some pretty advanced chess here at the irrevocable waivers line. Um, Cincinnati Reds, by the way, also made some moves. Uh, the Reds also claimed some players that were uh, that were available. Uh, I believe they got Hunter Renfro and Bader, so they grabbed two outfielders. Um, and the Brewers add Donaldson on a minor league deal. So there still means uh, Grichik, I think, is still out there. Carlos Carrasco is still out there unclaimed. I haven't heard of anybody claiming Syndergaard either. So there are still some players that went unclaimed in all this. All right, let's wrap this thing up. I am excited for this game tomorrow. I am excited to take on the Rays. Uh, yeah, come back home and play some exciting baseball. And I'm not going to be shocked anymore when... Uh, Cole Calhoun is batting third and Ramon Laureano is batting cleanup. Like, it's not going to surprise me anymore. I, because uh, Tito's rolling with him. He's rolling with him. All right. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on Giolito, Lopez, and more. Let me know your thoughts on what Antonetti and Chernoff are up to. Uh, we'll get to it after our game recap tomorrow. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Spotify. If you go to the link in the show notes, you can leave a voicemail for the show. 
We'll play it back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Thank you.